Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, and we'll be reading verses 13 and 15 today. Some of you may be wondering, wait, Pastor Jeff got glasses. Uh, no, Pastor Jeff has always had glasses since he was in, since he hit 50. And no, I'm sorry, since I hit 40, it's been that long that I'm actually forgetting when I first got glasses. And I usually wear contacts because my mom says it allows my eyes to be seen. Uh, but somehow they're sticking to my finger and I can't get them to stay in my eyes. And so glasses, I'd like to see you. You'd probably like for me to be able to read the scripture. Uh, I can only make it so big. So here we go. Um, Matthew chapter 23 verses 13 and 15. I want to give you a few things, three things before we read the scripture today. Three things before we begin. So listen in here really quickly while you are looking for those references. First of all, we need to tackle the issue. What is a woe? We began these woes uh, on Ash Wednesday just a few days ago. If you didn't get to see that sermon, I would encourage you to go back sometime this week and either listen to it on the podcast app or watch it on YouTube or our Facebook page. It kind of launches us into what this series is all about. Lent is a time where we allow the Holy Spirit to look in and look at our lives. And a woe is not Jesus gloating, you're going to hear this in a second, about the scribes and the Pharisees. He is really attempting to guide not just the scribes and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, but the crowds and his disciples who were listening. Really, Jesus was taking up the role of a prophet. And a prophet was very important in Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew and Jewish understanding of God. One of the very first, if only, religions that holds the critic in high regard. That's what prophets really were. The word prophet in Hebrew, this is our only word for today, so I'll have you say it with me. The word for prophet in Hebrew is the word navi. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. Navi. We'll say it again. One, two, three. Navi. I'll say it one more time. One, two, three. Navi. And it literally translates as mouthpiece. That God gives the word to the mouth, the prophet, and the mouthpiece speaks the word of God. And typically, these prophets criticized, or they were the critics of their day. They looked around and they were God's woe of guidance to the people in that day and age, saying, you are not living the way we covenanted together to live together. And the prophets were there as critics to point out where they were off, and yes, to point out where they were going. Because their criticisms were true because the words were from God, and God could see that the road Israel was on at that time knew it would end it, that it would end badly. And so he was giving them a prophet 
a word from God to say, whoa. And typically you would hear the prophets talking about repent, 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 which simply means you're going this way. I repent. I turn 180 degrees and I'm moving away from that and towards something that God is calling me to. And Jesus, in these woes, is taking up this role of the prophet critic. Second, these are pretty harsh sayings that he, that he is about to deliver. And I want you to know in that role of a prophet, he isn't being wrathful, but he is warning sternly. Look, the road you're on is leading to death. I want you to change that. You need to move in a different direction. He is calling them out. And hoping that the crowds and his disciples are listening as well as he moves them through these woes. Church, we still need these kinds of prophetic words. We need prophets today. The problem is, just like the prophets of old, we don't like the message, so we usually reject them and the message they're bringing to us. It's just like it seems to be in our nature that we do this much like them long ago. But Lent is an intentional season where we are called to listen to the prophetic words of Jesus and allow them to sink in deep. And hopefully our prayer is like our chorus. I will make room for you to come in and do whatever you want to. Remember, this is Jesus speaking. This is the one who so loved you that he laid down his life and endured cruel suffering in order for you to experience that deep and great love. Number three, the last thing before we read is you're going to see the word hell here. It is actually the Greek word Gehenna. I guess there is another uh, word there. We'll just say it once. Ready? One, two, three. Gehenna. Gehenna literally means the Valley of Hinnom. And uh, so there's, there's a lot of references, a lot of speculation, a lot of scholarly work around this. Some scholars connect it to a large trash heap that was constantly smoldering. You had a big city and they got to get rid of their refuse somehow. And so this Valley of Hinnom was a place where all the garbage and refuse of the city was set. And because you didn't want that to just continually spread, because garbage is going to continually flow, and, you know, dogs and, and mice and rats and worms can only decompose so much, you lit it on fire. So it was constantly smoldering and burning. There were constantly the yaps of wild dogs and animals down there, and gnashing of teeth, the snapping of teeth as they fought over bones or fought over trash or whatever. And there would just constantly be, and it became this representation of death and Hell, the grave. It is also connected, though, some scholars connect it to the place where children were sacrificed to Molech. Uh, and you can read about that in some of the Old Testament passages. Either way, wherever you go, the idea is that it is a place that is associated with death and the grave. It is a place that is opposite of the kingdom of God, which brings life and life eternal. So you're going to see that here in just a second as we read this. Okay, are you with me? Are you ready? All right, let's get into it. All right, Matthew chapter 23, verses 13 and 15. And because this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for anyone who is able, would you stand in reverence for the reading of the gospel? Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Woe to you. 
teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. And you yourselves do not enter. Nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of Gehenna as you are. It's the word of God for the people of God, both here and online. And our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want you to work with me here and imagine some things with me. Imagine a situation. For some of you, this is easy to do. Probably the younger you are, the easier this is to do. I had to dust mine off, my imagination cap, to put on uh, to, to do this. So go ahead and do that. We're going to imagine a situation where there is a state of people... And they, uh, there are lots of people in the surrounding communities and there's, there's one small town and the town begins to realize that they're missing a very important building in their town. They realize there is really no place for people to come when they are sick. And so they decide that they are going to build for themselves a hospital. The fundraisers, uh, flyers go out. People begin to give money towards this. They, they get excited. They hire an architect. The architect tells them all the things they need in each room. The, the, the medical personnel come and share what machines they will need, what technology they will need for that hospital. And it begins to go up. And people in the surrounding communities begin to get excited about seeing what is going on and how this hospital is being built. And finally, the day comes for the dedication. The doctors are all in place. The place is gleaming white and beautiful on the inside. And one of the board members says, this is great. We should send out messages to everyone in the surrounding community that there is a hospital and there is a place if you are sick to come and be made well. But the rest of the board members say, I don't know, this is pretty beautiful in here. I mean, look, it's gleaming white. What if somebody bleeds on that tile? What are we going to do? And they don't like it, and, and they begin to talk about all the fears of what might happen if sick people come in here. What are we going to do? What if they mess this place up? What if they make it dirty? What if they infest it with diseases? What are we going to do? And so they instead decide that they are going to stand outside the doors and not let anybody in. And they begin to hear that people, the word of mouth is just spread everywhere. And there are thousands of people that are now walking on hand and foot, coming by any means of transportation to come in. And these people have runny noses. They're coughing. They might even have covid And they are making their way. And so those board members, it's not going to be good for us to just stand outside the doors. We need to hire guards to make sure that nobody gets in here and ruins our beautiful, clean hospital. So they stand guards at the door and they hold the crowds back as best they can. Now, if this were a real story... How many of you say, those people are crazy? You don't guard something from the people it was intended to help. You built it for the purpose of healing sick people. 
So who were the Pharisees? Keep that in mind, but let's begin to look at some of what the Pharisees were. They were a sect of Judaism. That means they were a little slice of the Jewish faith. And they were known and very admired for their strict adherence to the Jewish purity laws. Now, this is something new that I I learned in studying for this. I didn't realize this. But Dr. Robert Snow, who's a professor at Ambrose University, I think we have a couple of grads here, uh, used to be Canadian Nazarene College. Uh, Dr. Robert Snow writes that these laws that the Pharisees were admired for strict keeping were based on the Leviticus, the Levitical regulations that preserved the holiness of temple priests. The Pharisees, however, extended these laws to themselves in order to embody temple holiness in everyday life. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it wasn't necessarily for them. It was something they took on themselves in order to kind of, as we talked about on Ash Wednesday, puff themselves up. To look so important, look at what I am doing. And they extended this out by saying that they believe that the kingdom of God would only come once all of Israel, every Jew in Israel, was following as strictly as they were. Then the kingdom of God would come. So what were these purity laws all about? We kind of got to look at this. I know we're kind of nerding out a little bit today. We're going deep. All right, you okay? If you see somebody nodding off, you know, just elbow, it's okay. Throw some elbows today. This is going to be important once we get really into this. What were these purity laws all about? Well, first of all, the purity laws were about the fact that God wanted to dwell among his people. He didn't, he wanted to live among them. And so as he called them out of Egypt, he wanted to move into their midst. And this is a good thing. We have a God who doesn't want to be far away. He wants to be very close. And this is good, but it's also dangerous for those who work closely in God's presence or work close to God's presence. It's kind of like fire. Let's, let's, let me give you an idea of it. Fire is good. On a cold day like this, if you had to be outside, wouldn't it be nice? To have an open fire so you could keep your hands warm and, and do that. We love to do that here in Michigan. But if by some act you had gasoline spilled on your clothes, is it good to be near the fire? No. Is it still warm? Yes. It might be really, really warm if you get too close. And so the purity laws were about removing the the gasoline-soaked clothes so that you could move in close to the good warmth and presence of God. And so there were these things that they were to do and things that they were not to do, things that they were to avoid in order because they were working so close to God's presence. Remember, this is the temple priests, not everybody. There were things that everybody was supposed to do if you were moving into the temple But for most part, this was for the priests. The priests worked in God's direct presence. And these purity laws kept them safe in God's good presence. Kept them close and able to move with assurance in that place. But then, something changed quite a few centuries later with the priest and soon-to-be prophet Isaiah. 
And we see this in, verse, we're going to read verses, uh, in chapter 6, verses 5 and 8, 5 through 8 in just a second. But Isaiah is deeply grieved at the death of one of the kings. And so he goes into the temple space and he is weeping in the temple. And he says all of a sudden, he saw the Lord. He saw God seated on his throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he saw angels, what he called seraphim, going around the Lord and singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And all of a sudden he is aware that maybe the purity rituals that are supposed to keep him safe aren't going to be up for the task. And so he cries out, Another woe. Are you ready? Woe to me, he cries. I'm ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim, this is, this is where something shifts. We sometimes miss this. One of the seraphim, the angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Isaiah, this passage, this seraphim, God in this process with this man, Isaiah, who realizes his lips are unclean. I've got gasoline on my lips and I'm near the fire. And oh, by the way, I live among people with a lot of gasoline on their lips and they're near the fire. The Lord is here. But Isaiah, something new happens here. He wasn't destroyed for his unclean lips. He was delivered from his unclean lips. Sinful lips didn't ruin the whole object, the holy object redeemed the, the sinful lips. Something new was at hand. Holiness was not harmful. Holiness was healing. And this is a radical shift. Because what then begins to, what we begin to see in our passage today is that the Pharisees had the older view of holiness. But Jesus had this new Isaiah version. He understood the heart of God and what holiness was all about. For the Pharisees, it was all about pure hands. For Jesus, it was about pure hearts. For Pharisees, it was about rigorous rules. For Jesus, it was about restoring relationship with God and with others. For the Pharisees, it was about staying pure. For Jesus, it was about saving people. For Pharisees, it was about avoiding people, places, and things. For Jesus, it was about atoning people, places, and things. The Pharisees were about fleeing from others. Jesus was about freedom for others. The Pharisees created heavy burdens. Jesus created helpful boundaries through holiness. Pharisees made it hard. Jesus made people whole. Are you with me, church? Pharisees asked, who should we exclude? Jesus shows who we can include because God's work can work all the way down. Pharisees scare people with God's holiness. Jesus saves people by God's holiness. This is why Jesus 
warns them so passionately where their road is leading and says, whoa, stop. Don't go down that road. And basically his message to them is that in the name of God's holiness, they are actually shutting the door to God's holiness. By creating all of these things that are no longer necessary. They were guarding the hospital from the sick people who needed it. Folks, this is a tough message. And then he goes on, and the, the second woe there is their deputies were worse than they were. They liked a little power and authority, and so they were kept, we read about them in, in Acts, and, and in Paul, when Paul is out, there are all these deputies that go out in the Pharisees' name and try and disrupt the church because we've got to keep the hospital clean. And we don't like what you're doing. Because of this, Jesus is passionately frustrated and grieved. Very grieved. So folks, the questions for us today, maybe you know where we're going already. And it's tough in our day and age. Where are we like the Pharisees? Where are you like the Pharisees? I have to ask, where am I like the Pharisees? Who are the people that you, that we, that I, who are the people we are guarding God from? As if we could ever guard God from people. (laughs) What rules do we, do you, do I, what rules do we use to keep people out of the hospital? What are they? I hope you realize, as I did studying this, is that usually the people that I want to guard God from are the people who make me feel uncomfortable. They wear different things. They have different ideologies. They have different political associations and and views. They, They have different culture. For some, it's different races. For some, it's 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 different socioeconomic standing. For some, it's different attractions, different beliefs, different identities. What are those things for you, for us? Folks, I want you to know they don't make God uncomfortable. God created. God so loved that he gave his one and only son that who so Ever believes may have eternal life. And you and I were not put in the role of guard for the hospital. If anything, you and I were called to go and tell everyone that there is holy healing available. And it is found in one place, in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who loved me and gave himself for me, And while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me and for you. Folks, we need reminders sometime that when we disassociate from people, we are actually disobeying Jesus' command to go to people. Just like the Pharisees. 
just like they were called to be a light unto the nations, that those nations would pour in to worship the one and only God. They now had become guards from anyone getting to the one and only God. We weren't put in that role. We were put in the role of welcoming. We might just find ourselves, if we continue this way, on the outside. Looking in to the kingdom. Sometimes I think we need reminders, and Lent is a good season, a reminder of God's grace. Now, I I don't know. I'm going to tell you a story here. I don't know if this story is true. I have heard versions of this story since I was probably 10 or 11. I've heard from many different pastors. I'm just going to assume that pastors told it was true. Even if it's not true, it is a very good story. And it has a very good truth to tell you this morning. The story goes like this, that there was a pastor who finished preaching. And as he was finished and down shaking hands with people, a young man came up to him and I said, I got a question for you. And he said, well, I hope I have an answer for you. He said, do I have to stop smoking marijuana to become a Christian? And he said, no, you don't. He said, no, 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 I don't think you understand. You're, you're pretty old. And so he took out a joint, marijuana cigarette, for those of you who don't know what that is. He said, do I have to stop smoking these in order to become a Christian? And the pastor looked at him and said, let me ask you a question. Very Jesus-like. Answer a question with a question said, when you take a shower, when you're dirty and you really need one, do you wash up in the sink first before you get in the shower? Do you need to be clean in order to take a bath? The guy said, no, of course not. That'd be silly. He said, well, it's the same with Jesus. The question is, will you get in the shower? The water will do the work of cleaning. Your job is to get in the shower and let it do its work. And friends, we are called to invite people into the cleansing, healing of Jesus. And it is not our job, our duty, or our prerogative to try and tell them what they must do before they come in the building. And I don't care what politics they follow, and I don't care what they understand about uh, drugs or alcohol or cigarettes or any of those things that we think are, are impure or what they, what they believe ideologically or what they believe about identity. They are welcome to come, and we'll let Jesus, the shower of His grace, do the cleaning work that the shower of Jesus' grace has always done. And what falls away will be what Jesus 
causes to fall away from them. Ours is to simply be here and be excited about the fact that we were invited into the shower and we experienced the grace of Jesus and what was dirty in our lives was rinsed free and we were clean, not just our hands and our bodies, but our heart and our soul. And we can now live. In fact, we've been commissioned to go in His name and invite those who are sick to come and be made well. That's the good news. And here in this Lenten season, I think we need to sit with the woe of Jesus and let Him look in our hearts and say, are there places where I've taken up the role of guard? Are there places where I am pushing people away with my rules and my regulations and my understandings and denying them access to the one place they could be healed? Church, let's not be like the Pharisees. Or we might find ourselves closing the door to the kingdom of God on them without realizing we're closing the door on ourselves as well. I'm going to ask Kimber to come. and Nicole, would you come and sing that chorus? I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. You don't have to get cleaned up to take a shower, friends. You just have to come. And in a moment, they're going to sing that, and I'm going to invite us, I'm going to, we're going to pray, I'm going to invite you to stand. And today, if there's anything where you say, man, I really, I really want to jump in to that shower, all in. I want to invite you. There's, there's a place for you. And you know how I know there's a place for you? Because there's a place for me. And I've experienced that grace and mercy and forgiveness. And I want you to experience that too. I want you online to experience that as well. And so I'm going to invite any who just want to experience the grace of Jesus to come and receive it. There's no charge. And I'm not holding you back. You just come. There may, just may be some of us who have been around the church for a long time. And we're feeling the pointing finger of Jesus' love and grace saying, Hey, what about that rule that keeps so-and-so out? What about those things? Maybe that needs to be washed away in my grace as well. So there are two reasons why you could come today. I'm going to open up this altar if you're brand new with us. This is just a place to pray alone with God, to kind of put your body in a posture of prayer. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. You're coming because you want more of Jesus. And the good news is Jesus wants all of you. So let me pray. Would you stand with me? Father, Today we've heard the words of Jesus the prophet, your son, our Lord. And we've been reminded of your grace and the purpose of holy living. So I pray for my brothers and sisters here and online that if they are longing for something to be made clean in their lives, that they would feel the freedom and the courage to come forward.
And if there are some of us who have been around so long, we get worried about things and we try and keep people at bay and we only want a certain kind of person here, may we hear your rebuke gently but firmly. That that wasn't what you were made clean for. May we repent and move in the rhythms of your mercy and grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. I'm going to invite Nicole to sing, and while she's singing, you just come. Just come. Don't worry about what anybody else is singing. You can keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed, but just come. Just come. And I will make room for you. Would you come? Do whatever you want to. I just want what Christ has for me. I will make room for you. Would you come? Don't hold back. You want to. to do whatever you want to. Yeah. Would you come? Don't worry. There will be somebody to pray with you. Go. Come. Do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. One more time. If the Lord is speaking, you come. Noon for you. Whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. I'm going to invite some of our guys guys have come and I'm going to invite some of our prayer guys to come and to pray alongside those who have come. Just go ahead, whoever you are, you know who you are, come and pray alongside. Father, thank you for those who have responded. I know it's hard in our day and age to come forward and wonder what other people will think about that. And so for those who desperately wanted to be here, for whatever reason couldn't, may they experience the same mercy and grace, the same washing of your love over their Father, I pray that we might become a church that welcomes those who need healing into your hospital, into your arms. Help us to turn in our guard badges and our billy clubs. To be ready to embrace those that you would send our way. May we know and leave everything up to you. Create space for you to do what you want to. For we pray and we ask all of these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. Would you receive this blessing? And now, my brothers and sisters, may you go in His grace, His love, and His holiness. May it cause you to invite someone new this next week so that they might experience the same grace and love and holiness that you have experienced. May you go with peace and full assurance of God's love. And may we return rejoicing 
at all that God has done in the space we've created. I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us, one God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in His name. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. Thank you.